Hey, everybody. Saul Marquez here with the Outcomes Rocket. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, I have the outstanding Dr. Dyke Drummond on the podcast again. He's the CEO and founder of The Happy MD. If the name sounds familiar, that's because he has been on the podcast before. Check him out if you haven't. It's episode 606, where we talked about preventing burnout and achieving the quadruple aim. For those of you that haven't gotten to know Dr. Drummond, he is a Mayo-trained family practice physician, burnout survivor, executive coach, and founder of thehappymd.com. He teaches simple methods to lower stress, build more life balance, and be more ideal practice. These tools were discovered and tested via Dr. Drummond's 3,000 hours of physician coaching experience. Since 2010, he has also been delivering live burnout prevention training to over 40,000 physicians on behalf of 175 corporate and association clients on four continents. He is now doing it virtual as well and helping many, many physicians and the organizations that they work at do better and stay fresh and not burn out. And it's uh, meaningful work. And so I'm privileged to have Dr. Drummond back on the podcast. Dyke, welcome. Thanks, Saul. It's good to be here again. And you know, it's been a long time since I've been in front of a live audience, but I was a real road warrior there for three or four years. That's how we got to 40,000 in four continents. But it's interesting, just sold out our fifth quadruple aim physician leadership retreat. We start on Thursday, that's in three days. So we'll have over 200 wellness champions, trained wellness champions out in circulation by the time we're done. So I'm really excited. We do two different things. One, uh, we help people recover from their own burnout. So personal work and coaching around burnout. But we also train people to be a physician wellness champion inside their organization Uh and deploy the organizational strategy. And that's what our quadruple aim physician leadership retreat is about. I love that. It's one thing to get in there with the training and give people what they need and then leave. But it's another thing to actually do the training and then set up people that are leaders with the same type of mindset to continue leading the charge. And I think that's a really smart touch. What have you been up to since we last talked about? Well, my business was built around live trainings inside healthcare delivery organizations. And we're recording this now in April of 2021. But in March of last year, March of 2020, live audiences went away and healthcare organizations were either distracted or losing money. So what's been happening is that the industry in general, and some people might not know this, because when you see the pictures on the television of what's going on when there's a COVID wave coming through your town, it looks like everybody's completely overwhelmed. Well, it's actually only about 30% of the folks who work inside a healthcare delivery organization, a hospital-based healthcare delivery organization, are overwhelmed. The rest are basically furloughed. When nobody's coming in because they're afraid of catching virus, there's no elective surgeries, all the routine colonoscopies, mammographies, all the stuff that goes on day to day under normal circumstances is gone. And most organizations, and I would say all organizations, if they didn't get subsidies from the government, lost money in 2020. So in fact, the industry is disrupted with overwhelm for the ER docs, the hospitalists, the intensivists, and everybody else is laid off and wondering where their next paycheck's going to come from. There's been staff layoffs, physician layoffs, pay cuts, all that kind of stuff. So it's been a very, very unusual environment. But everybody's stress level has gone up. 
we're finally starting to get a few surveys about burnout that have come out since the COVID waves began. And they're all showing overlays of stress and increasing underlying burnout. And remember, we started with burnout levels of 40 to 50%. And I want to be really clear when I say burnout levels of 40 or 50%. That means I can take any group of doctors anywhere in the country, give them a burnout survey today. And today, 40 to 50% of them are going to be suffering from at least one symptom of burnout. It's a big number. We're in this environment and the workload's not getting easier and there's a lot of catch up to do. So what are some of the opportunities people have to catch up? and to feel better. Well, and I'm not sure it's about catch up, but I do believe there is a window opening right now. And I think if I describe this window and you recognize it too, especially if you're in a leadership position, I think it's important that you act. And that is, I believe there's a certain number of healthcare leaders. It's a small number. It's less than 10%. But what's happened is they've actually seen what the doctors and nurses and techs and even housekeeping, especially housekeeping, cleaning up the messes of all of this. When you turn over a room in an ICU, it just must be a nightmare, right? But they've witnessed what happens when you put healthcare workers in a crisis situation. And they've been thunderstruck by what they've seen in terms of heart and work and dedication and service. And it's brought into stark relief for them, this select group of leaders. Oh my gosh, we really have to figure out a way to take better care of our people when normal times come back again. And I think there's going to be a short window between when it becomes clear that we're at the end of COVID and the financial realities that typically distract leaders get in the way again, there's going to be a window where we could potentially build some systems to take better care of the people. And I think that the organizations that take this opportunity post-COVID to create a more efficient systems of care and documentation and a more supportive culture, they will be the most successful organizations going forward for a number of specific and straightforward reasons. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's definitely important. I guess, how do people lose sight of this? You know, like, how do you lose sight of the importance of these types of programs? Well, you don't if you're not in healthcare, right? So you can go down to your chamber of commerce and grab the mission statement of almost any manufacturing uh, business or any business that is not healthcare related. And you'll see right in the mission statement, two things. It'll talk about what the business does and then it'll talk about how it treats the people. And typically it'll say, you know, the Acme Widget Company wants to make the best widgets in the state of Michigan and then be the best place to work in Barry County. The best place to work in Barry County. That's a real county, by the way. It's where my folks live, right? But you won't see that in healthcare. If you've got a triple aim mission statement, what you'll see is that we take really good care of our patients. And here's the rub. If you have a team of folks that are frontline healthcare providers, like doctors and nurses and MAs and people like that, nurse practitioners, PAs, there's a whole list of people who touch and take care and write orders on patients. That's what they do. If they are happy and healthy, they will put the patient first. They will deliver high quality, efficient, effective care that has high levels of patient satisfaction. So the thing is, if you're a leader, your job is to take really good care of your people. And if you take really good care of your people, they'll take really good care of their patients. So what ends up happening is as a leader, patients come second, but everybody in leadership typically drives towards the patient and pushes the doctors even harder. And what ends up happening is it becomes a very unhealthy place for the doctors and other workers inside the system. And it's a blind spot in healthcare. It's a toxic 
over application of the patient comes first because somebody's got to be taking care of the people. Yeah, no, that's a that's a good way to good way to put it. The focus needs to be on the people if we're going to have the results and there's there's an opportunity to do that. So what do you go through in your program? You know, talk to us about how the program works, maybe a sneak peek. Oh, you're talking about the leadership retreat, the quadrupling physician leadership retreat? Yes. Okay, cool. Well, we developed the program because when I talk to senior leaders and I, I spend a lot of time every week talking to C-suites and boards of directors, when I talk to them, what you'll hear is a CEO or a CMO, just so you know, they're overwhelmed. They're completely overwhelmed. They have the same kind of a whirlwind as a doctor does. Always too little time and too much to do. And so when I come at them with a new topic like physician wellness, and it's new to them, the thing they say is, oh my gosh, don't don't tell me I've got to do that too. So it's like, no, you don't have to do that at all. What I want to do is train some people who can run the wellness committee and carry the water for this kind of what we call wellness leadership. It's a new function inside healthcare, wellness leadership, wellness for the people, not for the patients, okay? And so what we do is we train the frontline workers, the frontline doctors who have a part, typically a part-time position as a leader of the wellness committee. And they report to the CMO, they report to the CEO, and the CMO and CEO are the wellness champions inside the C-suite. We basically teach three levels, three levels of wellness skills. First level, it's like a Russian nested doll, right? Yeah. The first level is you got to take care of yourself. So we teach all the things that we've learned about how you can take better care of yourself so you can prevent your own burnout. Then we talk on day two, it's a three-day retreat. On day two, we talk about wellness leadership skills so that you create a healthy team And then on the last day, what we talk about is an organizational strategy. So you create an organization that's wired to take better care of the people. And then one of the things we do, since I'm a coach and a family doc, I'm just a simple country doctor, Jim, what ends up happening is I know, and you know too, as soon as I say this, that all learning starts when you get back home and try and do the things that you've learned, put into play the skills that you've been told will be effective. So we have eight weeks of follow-up support with our people. So it's eight weeks of a private Facebook group, weekly two-hour Zoom calls, additional content. And basically, we support people for eight full weeks while they go home and try and put these skills to use. We've got uh, 196 graduates. At this point, we'll go over 200 with this next class, 20 at a time on Zoom. And it's interesting teaching on Zoom when you have a in-person is a pretty intense retreat experience is very interesting on Zoom. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, it's great that you offer this virtually now. I mean, the need is just as important now, maybe even more important now than it has been even in the past. So let's look at the future. What does the future look like? Well, it's interesting. Great question. I don't know how old you are. You look a heck of a lot younger than me, but I'm, 67. Six, I'm 62. You look good. You look oh, good for 62. Yeah, I, I think of 62 as still young, you know, <laughs> but I'd say you're like a 52-year-old looking 62-year-old. <laughs> Gee, thanks. The point I was going to make, and, and again, this isn't necessarily dependent upon your age, but the point I was going to make is if you're involved in healthcare, especially if you happen to be a doctor or a nurse, and you've been a patient recently... If you're like me, or if you're like almost every other doctor that I talked to who's been a patient recently, there has been a dramatic drop-off in the quality of the experience of seeing a physician and being in the healthcare system. And 
the quality of the interview and exam that you receive when you come in with an illness, a challenge, be it a follow-up or an acute one. And I fear for the quality of healthcare in the future simply because the doctors that I see caring for me that are younger than me don't learn how to approach a human interaction with their own intellect and skills and hands and eyes and ears. They learn how to apply technology, right? Rather than put a stethoscope to my chest. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and then the systems are so baffling that sometimes I can't even get through to see my doctor through the reception and the sign-in for the insurance programs and things yeah. like that. So I'm really concerned going forward that the future is going to be for organizations. The organizations I think that will do the best will be ones who construct a better work environment where they have better systems of care, healthier cultures, and the people who provide the care are happier and healthier so that we can maintain some sort of human connection when a person comes in because they need to see a doctor or a nurse or get therapy or treatment or things like that. Because the standard experience right now is so atrocious. It doesn't take much to stand out from the crowd that you're a better place to be seen as a patient. It really yeah. doesn't take much. Like all I need, all I need is for when the nurse comes in to ask me why I'm there and take my vitals that she looks at me rather than the screen. Just all I need is 15 seconds or so of looking at me and asking me how I'm doing rather than just head into the screen and pounding. Yeah, it's definitely, you know, a challenge. With burnout, you probably get more of that, right? You get less connection. You're just getting through the day. You're just going through the motions. You're putting in the codes. You're getting to the next patient you're not as satisfied. Well, there's a couple challenges right now. One is that the workload is way in excess of anything you can actually do in the day. Unless somebody has worked with you to make you an expert in documentation and why you would want your doctor to be an expert data entry clerk, I don't know, since you can hire a data entry clerk for less than $20 an hour, but most groups won't do that. EMR doubled the workload of the average physician and there was no upstaffing to handle that extra workload. So that's one thing that has gone on that makes a big difference. But another one in the background that people forget is that the knowledge base of a physician has escaped the human scale. It used to be that you could master the knowledge base of your specialty. You could keep up with the literature by reading magazines. I'm going to say that again, reading magazines and journals, hard copy by turning the pages and feeling the paper and ink between your fingers, you could stay on top of your specialty. And now what's happened is that every doctor has been turned into a curator of a growing body of knowledge that's beyond their ability to master. And then when you see the quality of the universal database that is accessible to Google, Doctors are reduced to Google because they can't keep up with their specialty, which makes doctors who know what they're looking at and can actually use Google results intelligently, but your patient gets the same results. So here we are yeah. having, having conversations with our patients about things that they can discover and misinterpret, but both of us are still in curation mode rather than there being somebody who is the fount of knowledge and is imparting that on somebody who needs it. Now, that's very egalitarian. Some people will say that's a, that's a good thing, but the challenge becomes when you have entered a profession that you know you could never manage, you can only curate. That is a 
shock to the system. Yeah, in a big way. And so today, there's a lot of resources, a lot of efforts trying to focus that trying to make it better. There's a lot of fantastic providers out there that want to do the right thing. How can they access your virtual course? Do you have it available now? Is it, is that something that you're up to? Yeah, the Quadrupline Physician Leadership Retreat, which is for physician leaders, wellness leaders, has been up and going for four years. It's been virtual. This is our third virtual presentation. We also have a training, the Burnout Proof Live Workshop. And uh, that's the one that I've delivered to 40,000 doctors for 175 organizations. We've gone virtual with that. One thing COVID did with us was prompt a huge virtual pivot. So we're producing a burnout-proof online workshop, taking the one-and-a-half-hour experience and expanding it into six online lessons. What I say is your medical education isn't complete until you've completed this training, because all along the way, nobody taught you anything about stress, stress management, and burnout prevention. And that should be available for retail purchase in July of this year, but we're also making it available as a training that organizations can take internally and private label for the benefit of all their people. And the interesting thing about what we've learned working with tens of thousands of doctors is doctors are the best studied, right? A lot of the research comes from physicians, but everything we've learned about working with physicians is applicable to anybody who draws a healthcare paycheck, anybody, from the custodial staff to the CEO, and everybody who draws a healthcare paycheck is at risk for burnout because of our programming that the patient comes first, at least in part. Yeah, I think there's an opportunity to try it. If you're a physician, if you're a physician leader that wants to help your team, there's an opportunity for you to do this with Dr. Drummond's program. Do you have a link where people could go? Is there a page where they could visit to check it out? Yeah, the website is thehappymd.com. And by the way, I'm not the happy MD. This is a place where you can go to get the tools so you can be a happy MD, thehappymd.com. And then the Burnout Proof Online Workshop, the personal tools. And the way I see it is, Everybody who's a doctor, but who works in healthcare, a long time ago, we were all, each of us, at a fork in the road where we were going to make a decision. Do we go into healthcare or do we do literally anything else? Do I become, in my case, a doctor or do I do anything else? I call that the light worker's fork in the road. Because what we chose was to be a helper and a healer and a light worker, battling the forces of darkness, illness, suffering, death, dying, family members, crazed attempts to deal with those things. And what we're trying to do is to build a life around this extraordinary choice to be a helper and a healer. And it's the challenge of building a life around that choice rather than having your career rise up and eat your life. That's the challenge of burnout. What I've done is taken that burnout proof live workshop into a burnout proof online workshop. And the address, if you want to get on the list of folks, will be the first to know about it is thehappymd.com slash complete as in complete your medical education. Love it. Thehappymd.com slash complete. Yep. Cool. So if you want to get on the wait list early release for the program, make sure you visit that and you'll definitely be one of the first to receive it. What types of things should we be thinking about here as we turn the corner on COVID? Because I, I feel like we are, right? I mean, it slowly but surely we're doing it as it relates to conferences and things like that. Like <laughs> you're crossing your fingers, right? What comments do you have on that? Well, one of the things that's been going on with COVID that is a great tool for preventing burnout 
is the ability to get together with your colleagues live and in person and hang out. Because the truth about a population of physicians, and, and when I say a population, a lot of the groups that I deal with might have you know, 50, 100, 200, 500, 1,000 doctors that are employed by their organization. The ability to get together outside of work, to hang with each other and build human connections. The settings in which I would do the live trainings I've done for years, where it would be an evening, dinner, drinks, significant others and partners are all there. And we'd do a presentation about burnout prevention. Everybody's been so isolated by the restrictions of the pandemic and also isolated from each other. There's going to be, I think, an enormous wave of basically partying, I hope, getting, <laughs> getting back together again and remembering, oh, yeah, that's John and, and that's his partner, Betty. And, and you know, we, we haven't had a chance to hang out together for 18 months. I mean, just think about how long it's been since you took a plane ride. I imagine it's been a while, right? So all of that, it's doubly damaging to a physician when not only are you isolated one-on-one -on -one with your patients when you're doing your work and you don't see your partners in the course of a workday, but you haven't been together with them for 15, 18 months. So there's going to be a big release. I hope organizations understand the value of getting together in person. My experience has been anytime you can get any group of doctors, nurses, light workers of any, any kind together outside of work. It doesn't matter what you're doing. It's therapeutic. It could be a picnic, a softball game. We even have one of the members of, well, a couple of creative examples. One of our quadrupling physician leadership retreat participants set up a thing they call synchronized bowling in their organization. Okay. So she's in a hospital. It's Confluence Health. It's in Wenatchee, Washington. It's a relatively large hospital on the east side of Washington that has a whole bunch of critical access hospitals in their network that are like 40 miles out in the middle of the high desert. It's a stop sign, right? With a couple houses around it. But all of these little communities out in the high desert have managed to preserve like a three or four lane bowling alley. So what she did was she rented, the organization rented all these bowling alleys on the same night at the same time, hooked them all up with laptops and, and webcams like this. And they did synchronized bowling nice. and all the families and all the kids came and, you know, they had a leaderboard and all that kind of stuff. Right. That's awesome. And I have, and I have another person that we work with who said doctors and healthcare workers are often in situations where they may be physically at risk in parking lots and the settings that they do their work, hospital settings and things like that. They often deal with violence and especially gunshots and things like that. People sometimes bring guns into the ER. So she had an event that she put together called Docs and Cops. She rented a shooting range. She got a bunch of cops in to teach doctors gun safety, Nice, right? And the doctors all got to shoot guns. And it sounds kind of weird, but there were like 40 doctors and everybody just loved it. So it really doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't matter what you're doing as long as you're getting people together. By the way, if you take the magazine out of a pistol, there's still a bullet in the chamber. And that bullet is extremely dangerous to anybody around because everybody who doesn't know this assumes the gun's empty because I've got the magazine in my yeah. hand. So very practical stuff, but getting doctors together, trying to fight some of the professional isolation, hanging out with each other, just to talk about what it's like to be a light worker in these modern times. It's really, really important. 
I hope that people understand just how important that is to the psyche of the folks that are in the front lines. I love it, Dr. Drummond. You know, those are some great pointers for everybody listening. Just get out, enjoy, create community. The likelihood that all of your physicians have or that you have taken the vaccine as a physician is very high. So take some of these tips from very practical tips from Dyke to Heart. And if you want some more tips, you know where to find them. It's thehappymd.com. Dyke, any other closing thoughts there or places where you would like people to visit you? No, thehappymd.com is where to come for if you want to learn more about the things that we've learned about burnout. But I want to just say one more thing. And it it was uh, something that was really brought into relief by the COVID pandemic. And that is, if I could change one thing about the current state of healthcare, what I would do is I would somehow set up a situation where it was mandatory that CEOs and CMOs and other senior leaders, CFOs and other senior leaders, rounded on and shadowed the people seeing patients. I was in a situation a couple of months ago where I was, I was presenting to 20 CFOs, believe it or not, an interesting audience, right? Yeah. And I said, raise your hand if you've ever shadowed a doctor ever seen a doctor working? 20 people. How many people raise their hands? Mm. Oh, wow. Three. Three. And I said, raise your hand if you do it regularly. It's part of your routine. How many hands stayed up? One. And the guy said to me, yeah, I learned it back in my manufacturing days when I was a CFO for an assembly line. So just check this out. A chief financial officer at a manufacturing firm thinks it's normal to walk the line where a chief financial officer at a healthcare delivery company has never seen how the sausage gets made. Does that make sense? So if there was one thing I would do, it would be get the CEOs, CMOs, CFOs out of the ivory tower into the front lines, watching people do what they do so they know the environment they're trying to create and the work that goes on in the environment that they try to create. And I think it would, number one, shock the snot out of them to see what goes on and the way they get in the way of how their doctors try to see patients. And it also might give them some empathy when a doctor comes in and is complaining about something that is absolutely true, but they have no way of knowing it because they've never seen how the sausage gets made. So that's the last thing I would say. Well said, well said, Dr. Drummond. And folks, again, reminder to go to www.thehappymd.com slash complete for access to the new course. And just a big thank you to Dyke for all the insights that he's had. This is tip of the iceberg. So if you guys are looking for more ideas, make sure you reach out to Dr. Drummond on his website to get more ways that you can improve the state of your physicians. Thank you so much, Dyke. Really appreciate you jumping on with us again. My pleasure. Great to be here. 